What's up, the Shop Nation? So my name is Anthony Delgado, and today we have Alana Matos. Alana is an entrepreneur, UX designer, and writer. She previously founded the edtech company Kalia. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, Kayla, but that question Kayla. comes up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and participated in Parallel 18's Accelerator in Puerto Rico. Since then, she's dedicated her career towards promoting entrepreneurship on the island. She is a contributor writer for Women at Forbes, where she wrote stories about entrepreneurs in Puerto Rico and Latin America. She worked in community development with the Startup Needs List after Hurricane Maria, and she currently conducts research on the startup ecosystem development in second cities. Thank you so much yes. for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to chat with you. So tell me, what are second cities? That is a very good question. Uh, something that I'm developing. Every time I talk about second cities, I, I always go in with the, the uh, premise that it doesn't mean second best. It actually means second cities as in the rebel cities, the cities that uh, aren't necessarily uh, the ones people are looking at when they think about entrepreneurship and startups, uh, but are doing amazing incredible work. So a second city would be somewhere like San Juan, where there are awesome entrepreneurs building amazing companies and they're figuring out how to grow it from the island because they want to stay there. Um, so that's sort of what I'm looking at. And other elsewhere, you know, elsewhere in the United States, there have been similar movements with um, Steve Case and the Rice of the Rest, looking at how do you develop cities in the United States that aren't San Francisco, New York. And yeah, those are second cities. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, well, I guess like Austin, Texas, maybe, uh, although it's yep. like, but like Austin, Texas has this big tech hub. It's very vibrant. There's co-working mm -hmm. space, there's startup accelerators, but it's not like you said, like one of the big two. One of the big three, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not where people are like, well, if you want to be serious about this, you got to go to Silicon Valley, but not everyone can go to Silicon Valley, right? So where do you go from where you are? For sure. For sure. So before we uh, dive into what you're working on now, tell us like about your journey, why you decided to become an entrepreneur and you know, how you got started. Yeah, definitely. So I became an entrepreneur definitely by accident, which is, I feel like how it happens a lot. Um, I uh, studied science. I was going to go into clinical neuropsychology. I worked with babies and kids for, the first couple of years of my career at Boston Children's Hospital. And yeah, I was gonna go do a traditional PhD, super traditional career. Uh, I got a master's at Harvard. And while I was there, I went to a hackathon and I, I kind of went just for fun. Like I, it was like a three day event. And I was like, eh, that sounds cool. Like I should go network with people, I guess. Um, and while I was there, I was like, this is the coolest thing I have ever done in my entire life. This is so awesome. These are the best people. Oh my God. And I met Sergio, who's my, uh, I call him my, my work husband. He's like my work life partner. Um, we were always calling each other being like, let's, we, let's work on this other thing together. And we started this company. It was actually previously called Alex, but we got a cease and desist from a really big company telling us that we couldn't use that name. <laughs> so we changed it to Kayla. Oh. And uh, it was one of the best days of our lives. We were like, oh my God, this is so cool. We got a season to assist. Um, from, I think it was 
like a huge publisher. Anyway, um, yeah, so we started this company. We were going to disrupt the higher ed system in the U.S., which is super broken. It's a, it's a really broken system with lots of debt attached to it. Uh, it was a really big problem that we might not have been the best people to solve. But uh, we were really fortunate to have gotten into Parallel 18 in Puerto Rico, and that's how I ended up back on the island. Um, by accident, again, that's not something that I necessarily expected to do. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to go back to Puerto Rico. It completely changed the course of my life, I think. Even, even though like, I am from Puerto Rico and I grew up there, um, I was like, oh yeah, I'll live in Boston, get married there do the thing. I'll do what my sister did. And I changed my mind. I was like, I want to be in Puerto Rico. I love it there so much. Uh, my goal is to go back there eventually and like, and live there, you know? Um, for sure. So you were born and raised in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And then when did you leave? You left for college? Uh, yes. I left for college. I, I left when I was 18 and I lived in Boston for, for all that time. So I, I left Boston, I mean, left Puerto Rico, Boston, and then wait, straight back to Puerto Rico after six years. Um, and it was, oh my gosh. Sorry, there's like fireworks outside. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, as long as it's not gunshots. Yeah. I hope not. No, no, it's fireworks, but there's nothing happening here. So it's very strange. So, yeah. Right? That's where the fireworks are happening in London. Yeah, yeah, this is, I guess, I mean, I don't know what holidays they celebrate here, so it's entirely possible <laughs> I'm missing out on something important outside. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I ended up in entrepreneurship and in Puerto Rico, and it was honestly the most, the best thing that could have happened. I think I would have been a very sad person having studied my PhD in clinical psychology, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> And what did yeah. you, what did your parents think? Were your parents like super distraught or how'd they take it? They were really confused. <laughs> like, I still don't think my dad knows what the words like startup means. <laughs> and it's even, I think it's harder for, I think at this point they're like, yeah, she does things. But for them, it's harder to like explain it to my, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. she, my, my grandmother's just like, she doesn't work. I don't know. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. who knows? I bet you. I bet you get it the same for on your side as well. Sometimes. Yeah. No. Definitely. How do you think we can get out of, like, maybe change the culture, right? Because I, I think it's yeah. like that all around the all around the world, all around the country. But it's definitely worse uh, in Puerto Rico in particular. Um, there's yeah. more of a traditional, like conservative, like just go and get a job for a big company type of uh, mentality yeah. and culture. So, how do you think we could we can disrupt that mentality? It's a huge, uh, it's a huge issue for sure. It's it's actually part of the research I've been looking at is what are the the components that create an ecosystem, and one of those is the values of the city. So, does the city um, the values collectively of the people that live there, are they conducive to rewarding entrepreneurship and to rewarding people taking risks? Uh, one of the cities I was looking at is Hong Kong. They have this huge issue as well, where one, real estate is really expensive. So parents are like, you got to go into banking, you got to go into consulting if you want to live here. 
and they don't reward entrepreneurship. And in Puerto Rico, it's the same thing. It's like, you're either an engineer, you're a doctor, that's, and that's kind of it. Like, you, you either do those two things and that's it. I think one of the biggest things is, one, it's going to take time. Like, it's just going to take decades for, for that shift to happen. I would say five to 10 years ago, the word startup wasn't recognized in Puerto Rico. It wasn't something that, that, that people would recognize as like, what is a startup? Whereas now that shift is starting to happen. And as long as our generation starts pursuing that, then older generations will become more comfortable with the idea. But I do think a huge part of it is education. Starting at the youngest age, starting in kindergarten, starting in middle school, high school, so that that generation can basically carry that through as, as they go older and go to college and start making decisions about their careers. But it just, and most, most of it is just, it's just time, you know? Definitely. So yeah. what gave you the courage to uh, kind of leave the traditional path and go back to Puerto Rico, right? And join this crazy accelerator. Well, what gave you the courage to like, kind of get off the traditional route? It definitely took me a good four months of like mental breakdowns to make this decision. <laughs> I was like, am I really gonna do this? This is like, am I not gonna apply for jobs? Everyone's applying for jobs. This is crazy. I, I got really lucky because my co-founder, Sergio, had already been in entrepreneurship for a long time. So he kind of held me by the hand and was like, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to be fine. We're going to do this and it's going to be great. And even if it doesn't work out, it's still going to be the best thing you've ever done. Um, for, people, for people who are going through a process, I think getting someone like that, like a mentor, that uh, maybe has done it before is is a good way to do it because I don't think if if Sergio hadn't been there through that process I don't know if I would have <laughs> maybe my mental breakdown would have been longer. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And now let's tell us more about um, you writing for Forbes. Mm -hmm. uh, when did that happen? Were you in the accelerator when that happened? And that's a yeah. really big accomplishment. So congratulations. Thank and you. More about that. Forbes, yes. So Forbes was also sort of an accident. Um, I was really interested in starting a blog. Um, I know. <laughs> From starting the blog, it's like, hey, I start a blog or let me just write for Forbes? <laughs> I know, right? Like, I know it sounds so silly. I'm like, I'm going to start a blog. Um, but I was really, because I remember, so our model with Alex originally, we, we wanted to do a marketplace uh, for courses and building a marketplace is really hard. So I was reading entrepreneur.com and I was reading all these articles of, of different companies that everything that I was finding was like, so this company built a marketplace for restaurants in New York City and they have a thousand customers and they're killing it and it's great. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I want to know how they did it. <laughs> like, how did they go from zero to a thousand? I don't care that they have a thousand customers. I was like, this is useless. So I was like, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to interview these companies and I'm going to get all the secrets. I'm going to get all the tidbits that you need to know. And it, everyone's going to read it and it's going to be awesome. And I pitched it to this friend of mine and he was like, okay, well, you, uh, it's going to be really hard to start a blog from scratch. I know someone that could help you though. 
and he was like, I know you're really interested in female entrepreneurship and, and, and whatnot. I have a friend who might have an in at women at Forbes. And I was like, okay, lol. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. As, as if, right. Like I don't have professional writing experience. And he was like, no, no, no. Like you can write, it's going to be great. Just talk to them. And I went through the application process and by pure dumb luck, they were like, send us a writing sample, like write an article. And, and if it's good, we'll get you started. And I did. And I wrote my first article and it was like a really simple article. It was like how to get started with like your idea for a company or something really simple mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I was so scared. I was so scared when I first started. Cause I was like, how am I going to take on this responsibility of like representing this brand when I really don't have a lot of professional writing experience. So from the beginning, I knew that I wanted to write about companies that were outside of New York, Silicon Valley, and et cetera. I wanted to highlight companies that wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to have that sort of exposure because to me, they're the ones that needed the most. So it, it, was, it became this really awesome process where being able to write for Forbes, I got to interview and talk to a lot of people that I would have normally never talked to me because they had no reason to. Um, I ended up talking to a lot of different female VCs doing interesting things in that. And then my second goal was highlighting companies in Puerto Rico. And so I kind of worked my way around it. I was only supposed to uh, like interview female entrepreneurs, but I kind of like wiggled my way around it and interviewed other like startups in Puerto Rico that weren't necessarily female founders, but I still wanted to interview them anyway. Like I, I interviewed brands of Puerto Rico um, because they have female entrepreneurs on their platform. I was like, if that counts, that, <laughs> that, that's enough. Like I can write about you guys. That's great. I interviewed Abarta's Health. I interviewed um, Carmen Portela, who has a local guest. I interviewed a lot of Latin American companies. And it was this great experience of highlighting companies that Forbes might not necessarily look at. Um, yeah, and it's, it's been awesome. <laughs> Super cool, yeah, and then that's how we connected. Right. Um, so I, I actually write for Forbes as well, and then I was always finding your articles, because I'm always like, there's not enough articles about Puerto Rico, I'm like doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept finding all your articles, this, this person needs to be my best friend. So I'm <laughs> happy that we finally connected. I think I like, I think I definitely social stalked you. I followed you on like Twitter, LinkedIn, and I was like, she'll accept one of the follow requests. Oh my gosh, I should really get back on, I'm really bad at Twitter, but LinkedIn, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm terrible at Twitter. It's, it's terrible, it's, it's hard. I think, I think it requires a lot of more dedication than I'm willing to give it as a platform. That or a lot of people that I know that are good at Twitter just automate it and mm -hmm. like, it, and that takes time to set up as well. And, you know, you know the thing. <laughs> so tell us more uh, about what you're working on now. It's a, it's a Latino venture fund. Uh, yes. Tell us more about that. So um, besides the Second City research and whatnot, uh, my co-founder, Sergio, is working in San Francisco at a venture fund called Venture University. Uh, they're basically, uh, they're like, a VC university. That sounds silly, but like 
they train people to go into venture capital and he's been doing this for a while and he's like, this is all great, but, um, it's not solving the issue that we face is that not enough people are going, Latinos are going into venture capital. It's something like only 4% of people in venture capital are Latino. Um, and so we essentially formed this angel syndicate. There's about 20 of us Latinos across uh, the US and me in England, but everyone's kind of like in different areas of the United States. And the, the theory is that because of our networks, we're gonna be looking at deals that are uh, Latino founders and we will be helping to fund them. So the checks that we write are smaller, but it's a start and it's a way for us to start looking into how to expand and bring more people into, so like more, more from the funding side. So, Very good. Yeah, we should yeah. definitely collaborate. Um, we're launching a chapter of the Founder Institute. Uh, right really? Here in yeah. Oh my gosh, that's we're awesome. With uh, first time entrepreneurs, and I don't know how much you know about Founder Institute, but they're in like 100 cities all across the world. And they, they focus on like, like people that might even have a job, but they're right. figuring out like, hey, I have this idea. I want to figure it out. Like I want to quit my job. So they go through this program and it's like almost like a pre-accelerator um, where we help them flesh out the idea. But yeah, we're bringing a chapter back to, uh, back to San Juan. So we should definitely collaborate. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard of Founder Institute. I would love to, I would love to talk to you about that because um, part of part of our goal is exactly that. Like because of my ties, for example, to Parallel 18, um, we, we want to be looking at deals in Puerto Rico. We actually just made an investment to Brain High. Um, oh, cool. I know those guys. Those are my yeah. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. I've known Emmanuel for a long time. So we just did, um, we just, uh, we're in their last round. So we want to look, start looking at deals in Puerto Rico. I know, I mean, there are obviously, of course there's angels investors in Puerto Rico, but, there has to be more access for for investors across the United States and more Latinos to be investing in Latinos. Definitely. Well, yeah. And, well, and the global the global community, right? The diaspora of all these Puerto Ricans that are mm -hmm. all around the world, like yourself, right? And the not not only Puerto Ricans, but just Latinos in general. We're all over Definitely. the world We're doing all these amazing things. Now, how do we create these syndicates so that they can give back? Um, yeah. I, I have a friend of mine. He is in the process of closing like a $700 million deal. Wow. Stanley, and he moved to Puerto Rico. He's Indian, he's not Puerto Rican. He moved to Puerto Rico for the Act 20, like tax benefits. And his last name's Patel. And all the Indians with the last name of Patel, he, he's told me the story how he's at the stoplight and he sees another Indian and he's like, hey, what's your name? Oh, Patel. And then their grandfathers called each other First, they break <laughs> the light. Their grandfathers called each other, and then they ended up doing a lot of business together, right? Because they stick together. They have this syndicate of, okay, well, we're both from the same place. Even if they're all in the United States, oh, okay, you're both from Arecibo, right? Or you're yeah. both Elgato, or you're both uh, Lopez, or whatever. And then people are able to do business together and help each other grow. So I definitely think that's much needed. I think it's so important. And I mean, that's the way the venture game has, has always been. Like, it's, it's who you know, and it's who you bump shoulders with. And who says we can't do that as well? But of course, it's about all about organizing and, and, and getting people to, to, to start. What, what is it to look at a deal? What does it mean to actually go through with an investment? And it's, it's all process, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're, we're trying to build out now. And hopefully we'll get more people to join 
that are interested in in the, on the funding side of supporting companies. Super cool. Well, we're running low on time, about five minutes left. Uh, so I wanted to ask you uh, one last question, and it is what does disrupt mean to you? Oh, such a good question. Um, disrupt. I always go back to this idea of rebel, rebel cities. I don't, and maybe it's because I'm like doing this research at the moment, but the scrappy, rebellious, get off the treadmill person who is willing to go against the odds to do something different and do something good. And that's really important, actually. To me, disrupting also means putting something forth in the world that is good. Um, uh, that might be from my social enterprise background. but um, And it could be disrupting in different ways. It could be disrupting. You don't even have to put a product forward. It could just be disrupting with a movement, with an idea. Uh, but usually the, the people that come from the ground up and that have a purpose uh, that's what disrupt means to me, I suppose. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you for doing what you're doing in the universe. You're just doing amazing work and uh, waving waving the Puerto Rico flag all the way in, in Europe. Out in London. <laughs> um, and yeah, no. I know. People, people it's so funny because like, um, I've been interviewed here for a few things. And the first thing that people don't ask me, and I'm like, by the way, I'm from Puerto Rico. <laughs> and they're like, where's that? I'm like, don't worry, but just know I am. Um, <laughs> so, Bermuda Triangle, tell them. Yeah, try, trying to try to read their, um, they're like, is that like in Latin American? I'm like, sort of, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, if people want to connect with you on social media, online, where are the best places for them to do that? Best place for sure, for sure, LinkedIn. Look for look, look me up, Alana Matos on LinkedIn. Um, it's my favorite social media platform by far. Um, you can also look me up at um, on Instagram. Uh, it's underscore Alana underscore Matos, or on my website www.alanamatos.com. But of those, 100% LinkedIn is my go-to. I am on it way too often. <laughs> super cool awesome well thank you so much for being on the show we're going to leave all those links below and uh real quick let both you and all the listeners know we're having an event in puerto rico on february 27th and 28th come down to san juan we're gonna have uh thought leaders from all around the world at the show puerto rico 2019 so hopefully we'll, awesome. we'll see you guys there but yeah thank you i'll see you soon thank you so much see ya